Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. This week, we're taking a look at the commercial real estate sectors, and we'll have a look at the broader-based economy with two great guests today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Are you achieving everything you want in life? What if there was a time-tested way to ensure that 2015 is your best year yet? The most successful people in life set goals and keep themselves accountable. But how? The good news is that it's not rocket science. You too can learn the skills and unleash the motivation that will create success in your life. And now is the time. Hi, this is Robert Helms, and I'd like to personally invite you to attend Creating Your Future, the 2015 Goals Retreat, January 9th to 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. This unique weekend event has been called phenomenal, inspirational, and life-changing by the hundreds of people that have attended. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com and click on events or call 888-489-7723, extension 18. Get your life back on track, physically, spiritually, and financially. Attend the 2015 Goals Retreat on the second weekend of the new year. Click events at realestateguysradio.com. This is no dress rehearsal. Live the life you were meant to. Visit realestateguysradio.com or call 888-489-7723, extension 18, today. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. With me, co-host financial strategist, Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. Today is a great day. We're going to be talking about uh, the commercial side of real estate. It is a great day, and there's a lot of exciting things to talk about. We've got a couple of big brains on the show today. Yeah, and we're not. that's not counting us. That's no, not counting us. We have us. our wee brains, and then we have a couple of big it's brains. You it's three brains all together. Two big brains and two half brains. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, real estate's interesting because it encompasses just so much, and a lot of the listeners I think probably are geared towards residential real estate, buying houses and fourplexes and apartment buildings and 600 unit complexes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but at the same time, lots of opportunity in the commercial sector. And even though we do spend some time talking about that, uh, not as much as uh, as maybe we should. Well, I mean, there's a progression that people go through and there's a progression that asset classes or subdivisions of asset classes go through. And one day apartments are hot. The next day it might be houses. The next day it might be self-storage. The next day it might be something else, you know. And so it's important to take a look at what these different things are because they can give you an indicator of where the wave of opportunity is or where it might be flowing. And I think the other thing we're going to find out when we talk to these two guys is that most of these things are interconnected. And so they all kind of affect each other. So even if you aren't specifically interested in, say, commercial real estate, for example, or offshore real estate or even offshore business, doesn't mean you shouldn't be paying attention. It's the reason we pay attention to gold. We pay attention to oil. We pay attention to currencies. We pay attention to what's going on around the world because the thing that's changed a lot over the last couple of decades is we are very interconnected economy. Oh, absolutely. And I think we've all learned as real estate investors in the last several years that uh, when the market shifts, there's both opportunity and heartbreak, right? You have to know how to get out of the things that don't make sense, how to get into things that do. And so many people, when they have something go wrong in their real estate portfolio, they just say, well, that's it, I'm done. Or they want to go lick their wounds for a few years. Instead, when there's blood in the streets, that is the time to make hay, if I can mix metaphors. Yeah, well, I mean, the irony is that's exactly what happens and people retreat when they should be advancing. And so you have to think outside the box. And part of that is listening to diverse perspectives. And that's what today's show is all about. 
We have a couple of great guests. Our first guest is uh, David J. Lynn. David is a PhD. He writes for National Real Estate Investor. He's also the author of a couple of great books and a brand new book he's going to tell us about that's uh, coming out. Uh, but he uh, wrote a piece uh, just a, a couple of weeks back on commercial real estate that caught our eye and got us thinking about, hey, you know, this is this is a well-written piece and we should talk about commercial real estate and who should we get as a guest. And Russ said, well, what about the guy that wrote the article? Great idea. He is an economist, an institutional real estate investor, and also considers himself a real estate strategist. When we come back, you're going to meet Dr. David Lynn today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the Real Estate Guys. They really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing. 18 years broadcasting and a whole bunch of years podcasting. We're talking today about what's happening in the markets, and we are very excited to have a great guest with us. Dr. David Lynn is with us, and well, he does a lot of things, but he writes for National Real Estate Investor. One of his articles caught our eye, and uh, we said, hey, would you come on the show? And he said, yes. Let's say hello uh, to David. How are you, sir? Good morning, Robert. Hey, thanks for taking time out of your crazy busy schedule to be with us. My pleasure. You know, you uh, you wrote this article that caught our eye about the five whys for commercial real estate investing. And, and investors today are looking at where is the opportunity? Where are the markets that make sense? And speak to us a little bit, if you would, David, about you know why commercial makes sense right now. Sure. Uh, thank you, Robert. And just to, for the listeners out there, um, the, the article that I wrote is uh, essentially uh, an excerpt from our new book, which is called The Advisor's Guide to Commercial Real Estate Investment. And it's published by uh, both Summit Media and the Urban Land Institute. And it's available on Amazon and just about everywhere. Commercial real estate is hitting, a, hitting its stride. It, uh, it's been recovering nicely for the last five years since the Great Recession has not really had a major oversupply problem, which is uh, typically the culprit for real estate recoveries. We just don't have any anywhere near an oversupply situation. It'll take many years for us to come back to a normal level of supply. And on the other side of the equation, demand has been very good. So the economy continues to improve. Employment continues to ramp up. Employers, firms are feeling... It's really about the health of, of the private sector. In, and when we talk, when we're talking about commercial real estate, it's, it's about... You know, it's a derivative of the overall economy, and firms are feeling more confident uh, with every quarter. They're taking more space. They're hiring more folks. Uh, they're investing more money. Their inventories are increasing. So all this means that the fundamentals have been improving, and yet we're not really meeting the demand as we normally do in, in past recoveries. So commercial real estate is really one of the foundations of our economy, and it's a huge asset class. It's one of the uh, in terms of uh, the, the major ass- investable asset classes, it's number three, and it's underallocated for a lot of investors. A lot of investors don't have enough of it, or they don't have private real estate very much. In terms of markets, overall, the, the nation, I think, is it's one of these recoveries that it's very broad-based, and it's hard to find a really bad, terrible market. When you look at, uh, again, it's, uh, commercial real estate is largely a derivative of the economy, uh, we have many bright spots in the economy. We have tech, we have ag, uh, we have energy, we have international hubs like New York and San Francisco, finance. So we, we have a number of things driving the economy, which is what you want. And that, that means around the country, both major metros and secondary and tertiary markets are doing fairly well. So basically, you look for healthy economies, you look for uh, job growth, you look for demographics and migration, where people are, are going to and staying. And so 
So the better markets that we see are, are both major markets, markets like Boston and, and New York and Washington, D.C., and going down. You know, if you can picture the U.S., it's sort of like a smile, the tri-coastal areas, if you will. And then the energy markets like Dallas and Houston and Austin, uh, and they're more diversified than that, but I'm just using shorthand. And then the West Coast, L.A., particularly the western urban area of L.A., San Diego uh, now has come back uh, much stronger, and the Bay Area is really a very strong market. And then going up to Seattle and Portland, uh, these are some of the stronger markets in the country. But uh, as I said before, it, it's not really about uh, the major metros. It's really uh, there are many great secondary and tertiary markets. You know, we're just seeing a virtuous cycle really take place in the economy. Corporations are in very good health in this country. They're very profitable. They have a lot of cash on their books. They've got over two trillion dollars in cash on their balance sheets. And that's like a, a coiled spring. So they're going to gradually and cautiously uh, you know, release that, uh, invest that into the economy. And that means more commercial real estate activity. At the same time, rates for debt for commercial real estate are, are very attractive. So they're, they're low in the long term. So it's a, it's a good time to invest because the, uh, the rate of, uh, we call it the spread, the difference between uh, what you can buy real estate for is the yield, subtracting out the debt cost is the spread, and it's a very uh, very widespread. It's a positive and very widespread, and that encourages a lot of investment activity, and it means uh, very good returns, too, because you know, the more you can increase that spread, the more money you're going to make. So that's a very big picture. I you know, want to stop right there, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a very broad-based, uh, very sustainable recovery, and uh, we just see a lot of opportunities in markets uh, all around the U.S., and I should put it in a global context, too. The U.S. is one of the better markets in the entire world, despite all of our you know, balance sheet and debt problems. And, uh, you know, we have many visible problems. A lot of investors see the U.S. as a place to be, a place to uh, put some of their chips. They uh, like the diversification of the U.S. It's, it's a big, diverse, open economy. There are property rights here. So a lot of advantages that maybe we don't always appreciate, a lot of foreign investors do appreciate. So it's becoming an even more popular uh, foreign investment destination for a lot of countries, and a lot of countries are growing and, and becoming much bigger economies like China, uh, like a lot of places in Europe or the Middle East or, or Latin America. So we have uh, a much more diverse group of capital coming in. Uh, it's not just U.S., but it's Europe, it's, it's Latin America, it's Asia, it's the Middle East. So uh, it's a much more competitive commercial real estate environment than ever before, and I think that will continue. Excellent. Well, uh, great, great overview. Um, if we can, let's delve into uh, maybe some of the product types within commercial real estate, because you certainly have retail, you have office, you have apartments. A lot of the folks who listen to our program are investors in single-family homes, apartments, uh, even some you know REITs and those kind of, of things. Let's maybe start with housing. What, what do you think, uh, apartment-wise, uh, we have uh, to look out for? Yeah, at the risk of sounding too sanguine, um, almost every sector has opportunity right now. And uh, if you talked to me five years ago, that was a different story. But in terms of uh, residential, I think poor sale housing continues to appreciate, not at the same rate. Uh, there's, a, there's a balance, there's a, a recovery, but I think uh, it's a healthier uh, rate of capital appreciation for residential housing across the nation. We didn't build enough. There's demand for new housing. We didn't build very much in the, in the last six years. So sort of, there really is a deficit for new housing. Uh, we continue to grow as a country. We, we are pretty good growth for an industrialized country with a pretty good uh, rate of growth. And so there's demand for uh, all types of housing, but particularly urban and new housing. So uh, I expect pretty good appreciation above the rate of inflation. Uh, it'll vary market by market, really, where you have a lot of 
uh, strong economic growth and job growth uh, like San Francisco and New York. Residential, uh, for sale residential is uh, really appreciating at pretty incredible rates. Uh, over the last few years, it's been like 20, 25% per annum, which cannot be sustained. But overall, it should be uh, nationwide, I'd, I'd say between 3 to three to 7% uh, per annum, which is quite healthy. On the For rent side of the equation, also very good demand factors. We have uh, a huge cohort of young people, the echo boomers, uh, the millennials who are about 78 million strong and they're still forming households, they're still graduating from college, and that'll continue to occur for about another uh, eight to nine years. So the renters, the main age group for renters really is at 21 to kind of mid-30s. When you're getting out of college, getting out of the house, you're, you're, you're finding your first job, you're, you're getting married, you're forming a household, you're saving money, and you want some flexibility in terms of your, your lifestyle, your, your labor options. So that looks very, very strong. We're not producing enough uh, rental housing, particularly in urban areas. So millennials are flocking to large urban areas that have job growth, that have lifestyle. They're really eschewing the, the typical suburban lifestyle of big uh, houses and long commutes and so they're much more pedestrian. Uh, they're much more urban. Uh, a lot of them don't have cars. So uh, apartment housing, particularly urban housing, high-density housing is in huge demand. And I think that will continue uh, for quite some time to be a great sector to be in, uh, particularly if you can both buy and develop, because I think it's become a little bit too pricey in some areas, very low uh, yields or cap rates. But it's a, it's a, it's a very good strategy. So those are the two sides of the coin for, for the residential sector of this country, very broad brush. Well, let's talk uh, retail a little bit. You know, there's a big change, big shift in what's happening uh, in the retail markets, just in the way that businesses go to market. And yet, I probably see more retail construction as I travel around today than almost anything else. Uh, what do you see in the retail space? Well, the, the demise of real estate is grossly exaggerated, uh, yeah. to paraphrase Mark Twain. People will always uh, enjoy shopping as an activity. They like the you know the experience, walking around, the tactile nature of it. There are a lot of amenities that you can do. You can have a you know cafe, restaurant, and, and the nature of retail is changing from being only goods to much more services. So that, that that's something that's long trend, a long term trend, and um, and that can't be disintermediated by the web, right? You you can't get a haircut or eat a hamburger uh, on the web. Um, these are something you, you places you have to really be in uh, in a physical space to to experience that you consume. So we're seeing um, you know lots more restaurants, you know medical, pet care, you know education, really backfilling some of these uh, residential some of these retail formats that uh, had had seen some vacancy uh, because of the incursion of the internet. So certainly that will continue. So the internet will continue to um, affect some sectors more than others. Like, for example, music uh, is something that's not viable uh, in a physical format uh, anymore. Uh, books, certain types of clothing, perhaps. Uh, but then you have it being backfilled by things that are exciting, like restaurants. So people have more money. They, they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, yeah, the employment rate is, is greater. They're busier. They're working more hours. So restaurants are a very good thing. So so you mentioned there's there's retail construction activity. There's, there certainly is. Um, the population continues to grow. People are, are, are there are more people employed. They're getting more jobs. The unemployment rate is, is lowering. People want the experience of, of shopping, and, and there's certain things that just cannot be done over the web. Even clothing, I'd say, uh, a lot of people will never feel comfortable with buying a suit or a pair of shoes online. 
Yeah, and then the consumer, the, the balance sheets will come back to. We, we must understand that household wealth took a huge hit in, in the recession. And so a lot of people were in shock. A lot of consumers said, wait, let me just see how the economy is going. Well, the economy has gone pretty well. It's not raging, but it's, it's gone pretty well. So people are much more comfortable. They've got their wealth back. You know, trillions of dollars have come back on the positive balance sheet for households. And uh, so that's a lot, of, a lot of it is really a sentiment for the American consumer. He's not a big saver. But he, uh, if he feels comfortable, you know, more comfortable about the future, he's going to spend more. And that's exactly what's happening. So I'm, I'm pretty sanguine about retail in general, but it'll be more service, more experiential. It'll be also higher amenity, and it'll be more infill, where people are, are tending to live more and more. As I say, that's this urbanization, the back to the cities movement, is for real long term. Well, and you see the, the way that those have been articulated, those retail centers has changed, and that always means new development, new construction. Uh, what about office? Office really hasn't changed from a technology point of view in terms of the way buildings are delivered and, and the use and so forth, and different markets have been pretty strong there. I would imagine a recovery in terms of jobs and businesses means more demand for office space as well. Absolutely, Robert. I mean, again, the demise of, of the office has been overstated. Uh, people work for social animals. They need to work in a physical space. Uh, for many of us, to uh, we benefit from that interaction. You know, the office is not going away. There might be more diverse formats for it, so people are more mobile than ever, and they can work in you know in an airport at, or at Starbucks. And the nature, the the actual configuration of the offices has been changing. It's much more communal, much more collaborative. There's much more open space. Uh, collaboration space, far fewer uh, offices and hierarchical offices, and uh, they tend to be, you know, more natural light, uh, more green buildings. So those are big changes. So we can say that the, the space per worker has declined, but the overall space has not declined very much. The overall demand for offices has not. And now with uh, companies expanding uh, headcount and, and much healthier in general, uh, we're going to see an expansion of office space. Office was hit pretty hard uh, because of the layoffs and particularly in the service sector uh, during the recession. But uh, that employment is coming back, and now you're seeing office construction in places where there's very, very good economies, good employment, like uh, San Francisco and, and New York, for example. Absolutely. Now, uh, earlier this year, you did an article on senior housing, which is obviously a, a subset of the housing market. But with that huge demographic shift, uh, where are you seeing opportunities in uh, in the senior market? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a real thing now. I mean, there's a false dawn, maybe... 15, 20 years ago, but now you have uh, a mass of people retiring, uh, a huge number of baby boomers retiring, 10,000 per day, and you've got uh, the, the older generation living much longer, so everybody will be living much longer. What we've seen is that aging in place is very important, so uh, seniors like to be around where they grew up, where they um, you know, had their employment, where they were, but their families, most importantly, uh, where, they're, uh, they're, where there's social infrastructure whether it's community, whether it's medical, whether it's shopping, whether it's entertainment. Um, so aging, infill housing, senior housing is, is a big trend that we like uh, quite a bit. And the numbers support it. And so people will be healthier and living longer and uh, embracing these environments uh, much more. And, and for a lot of seniors, they don't want a large house anymore. They don't want the maintenance, the worry of a large suburban house, things breaking, uh, you know, having contractors come in and fixing things. They certainly were treated for uh, a new urban space, smaller unit, uh, they're, they're downscaling, and that's going to happen for, for decades to come. So we're, we're pretty sanguine about that, and that's all over the map, but we, we like more infill. We're not as big of a fan of kind of the old 
Sun City, you know, everyone's going to the, the Sun Belt. You know, some, some seniors will do that, but a lot of, most of them will be uh, aging in place, but changing their format to take advantage of those amenities that I mentioned. All right, great stuff. Well, uh, before we get you out of here, David, tell us about your latest book. Tell us uh, what that's all about. Sure, Robert. Well, thank you for asking. Um, it's a, a pretty comprehensive A to Z book. Um, about real estate, commercial real estate investing. So pretty much every topic that you'd like to know, but in a non-technical way, uh, in plain language. And it's aimed particularly for the advisors who are advising investors how to invest for their portfolio. So it's talking about the benefits. It's talking about what types of real estate it's going through, uh, domestic, international. It's going through the sectors that we just touched upon, you know, apartment, office, retail, industrial, uh, hotel, hospitality. And it's putting the facts around why uh, real estate is very good for portfolios. The five whys are part of that diversification, uh, inflation hedge, lower volatility, higher income. And we think income is going to be a major reason why a lot of people continue to come to real estate and stay in real estate. The incomes are are higher than just about anything else you can find in other asset classes. So it's really a lot of explanatory information, a lot of visuals. So we think it was a missing... It really wasn't in the market, so uh, we think it, it fills a gap, and it's available on, on uh, Amazon, and it's uh, the Urban Land Institute is publishing it along with Summit, and it, again, it's called The Advisor's Guide to Commercial Real Estate Investments. So I hope you read it and enjoy it. Love to hear your feedback. All right, great stuff. Well, you're right, thousands of books on residential uh, real estate investment, not much on commercial, so great stuff. Hey, David, we sure appreciate your time today, and uh, keep up the good work. Great. Thank you very much, Robert. Take care. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. More when we come back, and another great guest today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Live nationwide, you're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. If you've been listening to the Real Estate Guys for a while, then you've heard about the legendary Investor Summit. Simply put, it's the highest level event we do, and the content, faculty, and attendees are amazing. If you're serious about taking your real estate investment to the next level, consider joining us. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join Peter Schiff, Ken McElroy, Tom Hopkins, and the Real Estate Guys for the 13th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It all begins March 5th, 2015 in Miami, Florida. Visit realestateguysradio.com and click the tab that says Summit to learn more and reserve your spot. The event is more than 80% sold out, so make plans to join us. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 13th Annual Investor Summit. Don't miss the boat. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals. From a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise 
raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Hello, this is Dave Leninger, co-founder of REMAX International. You're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for listening to the show. Tell a friend about The Real Estate Guys and join us on the 2015 Investor Summit at Sea. We're going to be visiting beautiful places and more importantly, hanging out with a bunch of great real estate uh, investors and an amazing faculty. All the details on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Click the button that says Summit. Well, Great stuff from David Lynn. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good example talking about you promoting the summit right there where you get a chance to hang around with really smart people who spend all their time and all their mental energy in a specific space. Obviously, he spends a lot of time looking at commercial real estate, had a lot to say about the topic, and it was pretty interesting. One of the things he said that I thought was real interesting is uh, he talked about inflation and how he felt like real estate as an asset class, and particularly commercial real estate, would outperform inflation. So in other words, you, you appreciate not just because of the devaluation of the currency, but also the growth of the sector in terms of attracting capital and getting its disproportionate share of growth. That's really cool because it means you can use less leverage and still beat inflation. And so one of the topics that we like to talk about a lot is how leverage can magnify appreciation. Well, think about what you can do in an outperforming sector like real estate and the fact that, as he mentioned, debt is extremely cheap right now. It's a perfect storm for being in the real estate space. One of the reasons we're super excited about it. It's nice to hear somebody so bullish on it right now after everything we've been through these last several years. Well, and today is a rather bullish show. Our next guest is also pretty bullish in, in kind of a bearish market, as, as you'll see. Uh, but I think one of the things David said that is critical to understand is that real estate in all of its sectors in the United States especially is not overbuilt. Right. A few years ago, there was a great article that came out about the impending housing shortage. And it wasn't talking about right now. It was talking about in the next 10, 20, 30 years. If you do the math and you see how quickly population grows, how few housing units are being added and how many are coming out of the housing stock based on the age life of the property and so forth, it's not today. But it is inevitable that there's a housing shortage. And apparently the same is true for commercial real estate. Yeah, well, he said something else that was interesting also. And I contrast that with what I already know is going on with China, where they're they're largely overbuilt. And so you've got China, who's got a lot of money to place, and you've got foreign capital managers who are looking at the United States real estate market as a place that might be a good place to put money. And then you say, we're not overbuilt. You kind of look at that and put all that in a blender and grind it up. No, that's probably not right. You put it all in the blender and puree it. Anyway, you put it all in there and mix it all up and take a look at it. And it says, well, gee, it sounds like there might not just be robust growth in the U.S. economy that could drive some real estate, but there could be some capital from foreign markets coming in as well. Well, it's interesting that you say that because in a few short weeks, we have an attorney on the program who is an amazing woman. I met her in New York City, and she is a immigration attorney, and she does a lot of work with bringing in foreign capital into the U.S. It's it's an amazing show. You're going to hear that in a couple of weeks. But this whole idea of bringing your investment capital to other places also works here. People outside of your country, wherever you live, look at it as a perhaps a place to bring capital. And what's interesting, you know, Doug Casey talked about this last week on the show. He talked about how the fact that when he goes into a foreign market, he very often is treated like 
a respected guest. He feels in a lot of ways that he is treated better in a foreign market than he is in his own market. In his own market, he's viewed more like a tax mule and how can I get as much money from you as possible? Whereas foreign economies are very inviting of outside capital, even the United States. Yeah, the United States is very inviting of foreign capital and that's exactly the case. It's kind of interesting. And so it goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show. This is a very global interconnected economy and these different sovereign nations are competing for capital and they create incentives to get people to bring their capital in. They figure once they've got you, that's a different story. And if you're native and they are trying to think of ways to keep you in instead of let you go away and you do get treated differently. So those things are all evolving. And inside of that evolution is going to be a lot of opportunity uh, that happens because things are in flux. And that's why, again, it's important to always be paying attention to what guys who spend their time studying different aspects of the global economy have to say, because it gives you an opportunity to go, okay, here's where I see an opportunity. For example, David talked about some things that I said, oh yeah, you know, I thought that same thing. But you know, when you, I think it, it's like, well, it's just me. I'm just thinking it. And then he says, I'm like, wow, my brain is actually starting to get it. And I think it's very affirming when you get a chance to be around these really smart guys and they start saying things. You're like, you know, I get that. And you begin to realize you're getting there in terms of your understanding and what's going on and how to recognize opportunity as well. One of the distinctions I think on our show compared to a lot of other shows, and it's not good or bad, it's just the distinction is that we spend a lot of time at the big picture, looking at the big economic trends like today's show. At some point, you also have to get into brass tacks, and we have those kinds of shows. But one of the things I want to make sure people don't miss the connection of is he's talking broadly about the commercial market, the retail market, the office market. We didn't get a chance to talk about industrial manufacturing, but certainly that market and the housing market. But as he's talking about these trends that are shifting, there is opportunity to play, but there's also things to avoid. Just because he said office is strong doesn't mean you should go out and buy a 1970s office building, right? Because of the changes he's talking about. Now, interior change is easy. When I was talking about technology in, in office, it's basic construction and the use of an office is the same. How that is articulated inside a building is changing a lot because of the way people work, because of the collaborative nature of, of work and the way that's changed. It's not a bunch of shut off, closed offices as much as it is collaborative space. But within the shell, be careful. Buying an old dead mall might sound like a great idea, but that thing's facing the wrecking ball before it's going to be revitalized in most cases. So how do you get involved with these types of investments is a whole other discussion? Well, I mean, it's a matter of watching those macro trends. You know, he's we talk a lot and have talked many times about the baby boomers. We talk about senior housing resort, you know, where people are going to retire. You talk about the Sun Belt and all of the things that the baby boomer demographic has moved. And he mentioned, and we've been talking about recently, the millennials, the echo boomers, and what a big wave that is. And that's on the front end of their purchasing curve, not in the sunset years of their purchasing curve. And so- as, Well, and some of them aren't even purchasing. The majority aren't even purchasing. What they're doing, though, is so critical because of the way that real estate gets designed today. He mentioned many of them don't have a car. They Uber instead. Right. And you know what? They're working near where they're living and where they're playing and where they eat and all that. So I think the whole mixed-use infill development is going to be a huge opportunity. Well, that's exactly the point. The point is that you have these economic and, and uh, demographic waves that are out there sloshing around in the economy. And every time they shift, there's an opportunity to get ahead of the wave and be the recipient of it. 
you know, the old thing, figure out where people are moving and go buy there first. It's kind of the same thing. Figure out where the money's going to come and buy there first. Find out where people are going to want real estate, get there first. And it's a matter of understanding these bigger economic waves. A lot of the reason we spend a lot of time on this topic or these kind of topics on the show is because so many people in the real estate investing business in particular don't think big picture. They dig right down and they start buying real estate in whatever neighborhood they happen to live in. They buy whatever product type they happen to understand. There's nothing wrong with that. And then they just make the best of it. Well, making the best of it doesn't mean it's the best investment. It means you made the best of whatever was in front of you, which you should do. But if you open up your thinking a little bit, you open up your horizons a little bit, now you have an opportunity to start from a stronger base and have the market helping you along the way. You still need to get down in the weeds and know the brass tacks of what you're doing in terms of the local law and where the opportunity is and what the local uh, marketplace really wants to have in terms of configuration and price point and all that kind of stuff. But if you do that in the context of the bigger economic picture, you're a lot more likely to have those macro trends helping you instead of hurting you. Spoken like a true strategist, right? Because <laughs> most people don't think about that, right? They, they go to some seminar, they get in some property, and then they're off to the races, and it might do well and it might not. If you take a minute to just step back and say, how are the macro trends influencing where the future growth is going to be? That's all we're talking about today. And these are big picture strokes. You know, he did mention some markets, and I love that idea of the smile. Think about a smile yeah. in the middle of the U.S. Those are the kind of the strong markets. I guess if you're not, if you're not there, those are the frown markets. I don't know. But uh, that seems like, like a, a pretty good way to get your mind around around where the current markets are. But just because a market is strong today doesn't mean it will be long-term. And yet, what do most of the big companies do? The pension funds, the REITs, they invest in top MSAs, the top 50 or the top 20 or the top 10 metropolitan statistical areas. And that's just another way to make sure that you are worrying less about the, the trend being your friend and more about where there's vibrancy in a lot of people because people is what drives the prices for real estate. Absolutely. It's interesting you talked about the smile and I'm fixated on the spread, right? He talked about how there was a spread between the cap rate and the note rate, which means that if I can buy an asset that's yielding 8, 9, 10%, and I can borrow the money to buy that asset at 4 or 5%, how much 4 and 5% money do I want to borrow? All of it. All of it. And when I'm successful at doing that and creating that, that spread and making a profit on that exchange, then I get a big smile. <laughs> Absolutely. First the spread, then the smile. Well, great stuff. We could go on and on. Can't wait to uh, read his new book, which... Uh, is interesting. There's not a lot on commercial real estate. A couple other uh, uh, books in the works that we know about about commercial real estate, but uh, certainly interesting stuff. And even if your plan is just to continue to invest in residential, you ought to have your mind about where commercial is because they absolutely feed on each other. Hey, before we introduce you to our next guest, it's time to play real estate trivia. Your chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question. In just a minute, we're going to ask you a trivia question that uh, has something to do with retail real estate, believe it or not. Uh, when you hear the question or know the answer, quickly send us an email to trivia at realestateguysradio.com trivia at realestateguysradio.com the prize this week is a copy of the book tax-free wealth by cpa tom wheelwright and before we give you this week's question last week on the real estate guys we had the international man doug casey and john green was in the program as well and uh, our question was argentina shares a land border with five different countries name them the five countries that uh, are bordering Argentina are Chile, Brazil, Uruguay, Bolivia, and Paraguay. Here's our real estate trivia question for this week. Name the largest mall in the world based on gross leasable space. Where's the largest retail mall in the world? 
If you know or want to take a guess, send that to us quickly. Uh, that's that's the quickly part is how you get the prize. Uh, and uh, be sure to include your name, your mailing address, so we can send you a copy of Tax-Free Wealth if you're the winner and send it to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Name the largest mall in the world. Where is it? You can give us the name or the location, I guess, and you'll be good. That is today's real estate trivia question. A lot to talk about when it comes to real estate, uh, but we also have a chance today to uh, have a gentleman with us who we're really excited about. Uh, we get to see him at least a once a year at conferences, been on the show a couple of times, and uh, he's got a few minutes today to share his perspective uh, with us. Uh, Frank Holmes is the CEO and Chief Investment Officer for U.S. Global Investors. When we come back, you'll get a chance to say hello to Frank and hear what he's thinking about big picture global economy right here on the Real Estate Guys radio program. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Hey everyone, it's Robert Helms inviting you to join the Real Estate Guys at the Planning for Prosperity Conference presented by New View IRA. Did you know there's over $5 trillion of wealth currently held in individual retirement accounts? And most of it is overly exposed to an arguably overheated stock market. At Planning for Prosperity, experts will be discussing alternative investments, such as real estate, private placements, private mortgages, and much more. It all takes place in beautiful Orlando, Florida on Friday, October 17th. So if you're anywhere near Orlando or need a really good excuse to visit, attend Planning for Prosperity. Get all the details at realestateguysradio.com under the tab that says Events. That's realestateguysradio.com under Events. And Russ and I will see you in Orlando. Hi, this is Patrick Donahoe of Paradigm Life. Over the last few years, I've had the privilege of sharing the services of Paradigm Life with you loyal Real Estate Guys Radio listeners through our website, www.beerbank.com, and also on the annual Investor Summit at Sea. Subsequently, we have seen a variety of financial situations across the socioeconomic spectrum and how everyone, regardless of their situation, would improve their financial lives by following the system we specialize in. As a result of this experience, we have created an online e-learning system so anyone without obligation can learn about the infinite banking concept. This free e-learning program is found on our website, www.beerbank.com. So check it out today. The website again is www.beerbank.com. This is Gary Johnson, and I'm here to say, listen to the Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We're talking today about what's happening in various markets and how folks see it. And we are so privileged to have a guy uh, well, on the line today who uh, knows a ton about what's going on. He's been on the Real Estate Guys radio program a few times before. Please welcome back to the Real Estate Guys, Mr. Frank Holmes. How are you, Frank? Outstanding in a bear market for gold. Yeah, excellent. Well, boy, you uh, you always keep a positive attitude no matter what's happening. But uh, we've been talking a little bit this morning about the real estate markets and what's happening there. You, of course, at the U.S. Global Investors, you have a, kind of a, a bigger look. You're looking around the world. You're looking at commodities. You're looking at metals. You're looking at all kinds of things. Tell us what's going on. Well, I think that uh, the dollar's been on a tear, uh, predominantly because Europe is is in the basement. Uh, and the euro is being pushed down to try to help exports and help it reignite their economy. And if you look at five-year government bonds, the yields on U.S. dollars relative to Europe 
is much more attractive being dollars. So you're seeing the dollar on a spectacular run. And also, we, when we look at our GDP and numbers in America, they're much healthier and stronger than what we're seeing out of Europe. So that's what we see. We think the dollar is due for a breather. And we think it's interesting that this whole thing on re, uh, governments using monetary policies to reflate their economies with low, low interest rates is showing up in uh, smart central bankers buying uh, the stock market. Uh, we saw this in Switzerland. There's no, nothing coming out of the Fed here, what they're doing. But the correlation to expanding the balance sheet and the stock market is step in step. But Japan central bank has announced that they own 1.5% of their own stock market. So they're buying what I like to call real assets. If you're worried about a currency being harmed or devalued, etc., it's always shown that real estate, uh, gold, uh, oil and gas, these real assets do benefit and protect investors long term. Now, it's interesting as people are looking at the gold market, right? Uh, a lot of folks on both sides of that equation. Where, where do you see that? You've always, always had some interesting opinions and uh, really you've talked about some of the side markets in terms of metals. Where do you see uh, the metals market right now? Well, the metals market, you've got to follow China. It's the 800-pound gorilla. Their purchasing manufacturers in, index or the the future where the, the manufacturers are spending, making commitments, is, is basically sideways. There's no real growth. Their stock market's turned, which is positive and constructive. It's one of the better performing markets in, in Asia. But it, and it's, it looks like it's come off a major bottom for declining for three years. You have to follow China. It is the 800-pound gorilla. It slows down in its iron needs for steel manufacturing, and all of a sudden you see Brazil take it on the chin. It's all the world is so interconnected and interrelated globally, and when you take a look at Facebook with over 1.2 billion people all connected around the world, it's also commerce, uh, and so that's what I think is important for those investors trying to time the market. That uh, it's going to be important to see that economic growth, the GDP, industrial production turning up, where the one month is above the three months for China. Now, are you looking at jobs at all, and what is that? What kind of impact is that having, especially here at the U.S. economy? Well, jobs is very, very important for votes and political positioning, you know, and it's very important for the psychic of, of America. Yeah. Uh, and it is. Bottom line, we're seeing that incomes are rising, but the way they're ga- gathering the data. And who is leaving the job market? Who is coming in? Who's eligible? There's lots of confusion. There's a tremendous amount of confusion on really what is the number and how many people are on some form of substance and welfare benefits. Uh, The number has exploded up uh, 300% on food stamps. So it's trying to get your arms around what what is really clear and simple. And I prefer looking at backwards is what the general GDP says it's all positive, and the future right now says the ISM, it's all positive. The next six months, America's high-income-paying jobs, the manufacturing sector of America, is very positive and very constructive. Now, what we do at U.S. Global, is, I think, is unique. We take a look at 4,000 public companies, and we sift them and sort them for the Homes Fund called the 10 2020 and we're looking for robust growth in revenue, 10% growth in revenue, generating a 20% returns on an equity and a 20% growth in earnings. Now, at the very bottom of the cycle in 2009, less than 30 companies qualified for this out of 4,000. Well, now it's 190. So we've been seeing each quarter it's been expanding. So this is very positive that there's lots of growth. 
the interesting part of that is that many of these are small cap, mid cap companies, and they've not seen the stock performance that you've seen that seems money is concentrated in the S&P 500 and the S&P 100. But America underneath the hood is looking good. All right. Well, that's always uh, good news. Now, let's talk obviously a little about real estate. We uh, have been talking today on the program about just some of the evolution of the commercial markets and what's happening there. But uh, give us your take on, uh, on the real estate markets. Well, I think that what's interesting when you look at long-term housing starts, they've basically been going sideways. The housing st- stocks had a big run out of 09 and they've been sort of sideways but it's interesting to see that there's no real massive growth the industry is extremely streamlined and uh, we're looking at you know, geographic areas across the country and real estate properties are getting snapped up in st louis in chicago the cap rates there are more attractive so it won't be long before i think they're all gone texas because of the oil boom uh, the cap rates on commercial, small uh, industrial properties might be like 7%, uh, 6%, whereas when you go up to lower Chicago area to St. Louis, in that region you can get 8 9% uh, rates. And you used to get over 10 they're declining, and I think that uh, this is very positive to see that. Now, we also, last time we spoke, talked a little bit about oil and uh, not, not only the direct results of what's happening in the oil industry, but also how that affects real estate. Uh, and you mentioned Russia being the largest oil producer, but that uh, the U.S. was coming on strong. How's that looking? Well, the U.S. is going to surpass. Russia is the largest exporter, and then you have Saudis, and, and uh, the U.S. Is, uh, as an oil-producing nation is on track to uh, – uh, become the dominant player, but uh, best part is is that our energy prices will remain low, and that truly helps our competitive global advantage. It gives us a massive com- uh, competitive global advantage, but it's also a tax break. You know, it's it's a it's a I like to call it the non-Obama tax break is the growth in oil and oil prices and gas prices uh, because of so much so, so wonderful discoveries, high paybacks uh, of creating a supply. An additional supply, which is getting prices to drop, and we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that will be spent on consumers and small businesses having additional cash flow. You know, every year one of my favorite presentations to see is the one that you do at the New Orleans Investment Conference. That's coming up in a few weeks. Tell us about what you're going to be discussing uh, in New Orleans. Well, thank you for your kind uh, words. Um, I'm going to try to highlight my travels around the world. Uh, what I'm seeing and feeling, um, where I'm going to go to Europe, I'm going to get a better feel, uh, meeting with uh, different uh, sectors of the economy, uh, and just get a flavor for what their policies are. It appears that all the governments around the world are still consumed with anti-banking, anti-money, and it's just tax and regulation. So there hasn't been a thought process like we had in the 90s under President Clinton of streamlining welfare, of streamlining the financial sector, uh, and regulations. So I think that we're going to live with low interest rates. I think that uh, that's the, the solution uh, with that. And so I think that uh, we're not going to get this huge synchronized growth we had in the 2004, 5, 6, and 7 globally. We're going to have spurts where our economic engine is the real engine of the world today. Europe will turn around, it appears, to devalue their currency, to get it down to try to help stimulate their economy with low interest rates. And then we're going to have China announced late last night, because they didn't like their economic data points, to open up uh, easier to buy second homes in, in all cities across China. 
I think these governments will respond, and and I like this idea of going to that task of knowledge, kicking the tires, talking to the driver that picks me up in a car and takes me to my first meeting, get a flavor of what he's thinking. Yeah, that's so, so important. Now, uh, this uh, this year, the conference that uh, we're going to be meeting at here in a few weeks is in its 40th year, and uh, Alan Greenspan is going to be speaking. What do you think about that? Well, I think it's just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's um, he's got so much. His journey has been uh, overwhelmingly fascinating and uh, people like to just be armchair quarterbacks and criticize uh, but I think there's some massive achievements and how he thinks uh, and how he views the world it's just a, a great honor to for me to be able to be with him uh, at this event and for many of the listeners and viewers to be able to come up and meet him uh, he will go down history as one of the, the, the great financial leaders. All right. Well, we're certainly looking forward to seeing you, my friend, in New Orleans. And uh, as always, thanks for your insight and your time today. Take care. All right. There's Frank Holmes. He's the uh, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of uh, U.S. Global. And you can find them at usfunds.com. More when we come back from the Real Estate Guys. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. Memphis is famous for being the home of the king of rock and roll, but it's also the king of cash flow. If you're looking for affordable cash flow properties, it's hard to beat Memphis. Get your portfolio rocking and more cash flowing your way by calling Terry Kerr at Mid-South Home Buyers. Terry's the king of turnkey properties. Contact Terry through the resource section at realestateguysradio.com. And be sure to order Terry's tips for turnkey rental property investing report. It's free. Just send your request to turnkey at realestateguysradio.com. Are you still sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out when and where you're going to buy those investment properties? Well, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Atlanta, Georgia is still on sale, but you better act fast because the deals are almost gone. Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners, and I want you to know that there may not be a better investing opportunity than Atlanta right now. Listed as one of the fastest growing markets in the country, both in terms of jobs and population, Forbes predicts 26% appreciation over the next three years. At Georgia Residential Partners, we sell turnkey cash-flowing investment properties. We also sell wholesale properties at insane discounts. We're launching a new home construction product this summer as well, and if you're still nervous about stepping out into another market, I will personally partner with you on a small portfolio of homes, if that's what it takes. Don't wait any longer. Check us out at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. We look forward to hearing from you. Hi, this is Darren Hardy, publisher of Success Magazine, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show, no matter how you listen, whether it's on the podcast or the radio or on your personal device. We're happy that you're here. A lot of great shows in the queue. We got a lot we're working on and uh, very excited to bring you great guests like Frank Holmes, always great to talk to Frank. Frank's awesome. Mr. Optimism, Mr. Happy. <laughs> it's true. No matter how bad things are, he's always finding the silver lining. Yeah, well, you know, the thing that he talked about that I thought was really interesting is in spite of the fact that he's so positive, you know, he talked about the dollar. He goes, the dollar's, you know, on steroids. Great, but it's due for a breather. Yeah. Right. And then he talked about the reason it was strong is because the euro is weak. Well, if you're strong, just because the guy next to you is weak doesn't make you strong. 
It's just relative. Right. You're not, you don't have to be the good-looking guy in the bar. You just should be better looking than the guy next to you. Exactly. Which is why so, I hang out with Russell Gray. Anyway, so, you know, I mean, because we obviously spend a lot of time listening to people that have some real concerns, structural concerns about the way the economy is put together and some of the effects. And obviously we saw when the system is stressed, uh, what happens in 2008 when the bond markets collapsed and took a lot of the mortgage and real estate markets with it. And it had a, you know, impact, a ripple effect through the whole economy that we've still been trying to recover from. The good news is it's hard not to see people come back. I mean, you know, the the American entrepreneur especially, but globally, people are just going to figure out a way to adapt. And whether the government is helping them or getting in the way, we can argue about whether monetary policy is positive or negative for growth, whether government policy is positive or negative for growth. At the end of the day, you can't worry about all that stuff as an entrepreneur or an investor. You just got to get up and make the best of what you got to work with. And so Frank stays very positive. He sees opportunities in all the fluff. And at the same time, he talked a lot about real assets and the importance of being hedged in case the dollar continues to get weak or currencies continue to get weak because you don't have the same exposure when you're invested in things like real estate, gold, oil, and those types of things. And of course, that's something we've been talking about near and dear to my heart. We've been talking about that for quite a while. Well, you know, and you have to have both perspectives, right? People say, well, now sometimes you have these doom and gloomers on the show, and then sometimes you have these positive optimistics. Which is it? And the answer is yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. You've got to look at the entire world and what they're thinking to figure out where opportunity is. You can just put your head in the sand and, and, and when you pull it out, put your tinfoil hat on and think everything's doom and gloom and it's awful. And there's been people saying that for hundreds of years. Right. At the same time, you can't. it can't be all happy high notes, un, unicorns and, and rainbows, right? You've got to look at the reality on both sides. So we like to bring both perspectives. Today, a couple of pretty optimistic guys. Coming up at the New Orleans Investment Conference, Frank Holmes is going to be there. So is Peter Schiff, Mr. Doom and Gloom. Well, right? but you know, the thing that's interesting about Peter, right? CNBC did that article recently and said, hey, in spite of him being the perma bear, the guy that's always saying the sky is falling, the end of the world is coming, his funds have actually outperformed. Yeah. And so the point with Peter, Peter focuses on explaining why he does what he does and why he sees opportunity in things that are not dollar backed. He's still bearish on the dollar. Frank was basically bearish on the dollar. He's, it's on steroids now, but it's due for a breather. And the only reason it's strong is because the euro's weak. That's what he said, right? So I don't know that he and Peter are that far apart. Right. It's the way they present the material. So Frank is always upbeat. Peter is always very concerned about what's going on. But both of them find opportunity in these fluctuations to find ways to invest. And they're both extremely successful. Frank has some of the top-rated mutual funds. As I just mentioned, CNBC recognized that Peter's funds have largely outperformed the last several years. So both of them, even though they have different delivery styles, have basically accomplished the same thing in the same market. They're both making money. Well, and there's lots of other perspectives as well. In fact, we'd like to invite you to join us in New Orleans. We're going to be there for the third year. Uh, we're going to be uh, speaking at the event. We're going to be doing radio programs at the event, uh, getting great interviews and so forth. Uh, it happens in New Orleans. It's the 40th year of the New Orleans Investment Conference. All the details on our website, if you go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events, you'll see the New Orleans Investment Conference. Not our conference, just a great conference that we like to go to. And there's going to be lots of folks there, including, as you heard, Alan Greenspan. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. He's going to be sitting on a panel with some folks that are going to be asking you very pointed questions about his uh, shift from being kind of a super conservative gold is money kind of guy. In fact, I just uh, heard that he recently released an article where he went back and talked about China and why they're wanting to accumulate so much gold right now because they see it as being, you know, real money. 
And so, you know, we've been paying a lot of attention to the gold market, and that's what this conference in New Orleans started out as, primarily a resource and mining conference, and they talked a lot about metals. Uh, the promoter, Brian London, who's been on the show, asked us to come because they wanted to have a little bit more of a real estate presence because it's more about real assets, not just about gold. And so we're very excited to be able to present that. We've got three different sessions we're doing, and we're going to be talking about some changes that have occurred recently in the law that open up the opportunity for uh, what we call coupon clipping investors, people that really don't want to get their hands dirty with tenants and toilets, don't want to have direct ownership, but they want to get involved in real estate. And there's a way to do that now where you don't necessarily have to go through real estate investment trusts and publicly traded securities. And so we're going to be talking about that. All right. So check out on the website, realestateguysradio.com. Click on events. You'll see the New Orleans Investment Conference. A big thanks to Frank Holmes and David Lynn for their great expertise and ideas today. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, it's another fabulous show. We'll see you then. Until then, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. To learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys radio show.